The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora tato, this is Toby Manhai with another episode of your friendly local politics podcast, Gone by Lunchtime. What you're about to hear is part of the Gone by Lunchtime Megapod, a 12-hour epic event recorded on September 20 at Spinoff HQ. Enjoy. I've got this incredible group of people with me. Charlotte Moody Learning, Shanti Matthias, Stuart Salmon Lund. We're going to talk about electorates. We're going to talk about um, the box office electorates, the hot seats, as we've called them in our series. Um, and you all have been reading, writing, thinking, looking at all the issues around these seats. And I'm going to go through first of all. Oh, do we have Joel on the line, by the way? We're going to plug Joel in. Joel Just carry on and I'll get him in if and when he comes in. I really in. want to know if he's read a book. Have you guys read a book? Has anyone read a book? I've read a book. I've oh, read wow. like okay. two. Well, I have read a book. <laughs> At least one. Um, okay, let's go through also turnout guesses. Do you want to do your turnout guesses? Everybody gets a turnout guess to go into, just like Chris Hipkins, keen listener Chris Hipkins, you can go in to win a box of chocolate fish, turnout. Oh, there's Joel. Hi, Joel. Um, if you want to guess anywhere, it's sort of, what the turnout might be. It's 82 was really high last time. 74, 75 was 2011. What do you reckon, Charlotte? Uh, 76.4. Said with one-upping such, the PM. such confidence. Is that what he said? He said 76, right? So you, oh. just, you, <laughs> you just wanted to get a little bit Interesting. higher. Yeah. Interesting. Shanti? Uh, 73.3. 73.3. Sure. I'm going 77.2. I thought you would. Yeah. And my argument being there's so much, you know, so many questions about mojo in this country at the moment. There's going to be a large number of people who want to get out and, uh, you know, demonstrate that. Okay. Uh, Joel, can you hear me? How are you, how are you down there in Pundike? Everything well? It is absolutely wonderful down in Wellington. You're all missing out. Um, well, well, actually, we're not because we're in a in a in a studio for twelve hours, which is uh, doesn't matter what the weather is, because the weather is always shining with interesting politics chat. What's your guess on a, the turnout for the election uh, on October fourth for, for fourteen, Joel? Seventy-seven point four. Seventy-seven point four. That's right. Very close to Stuart. Okay, let's keep moving around. Do you want a political TV shows, Shall I? Uh, thick of it. Thick of it. Yeah. Shanti. I've never watched a TV show. You've never, you've never watched any TV show. You like Chris Hipkins with his books. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> What's a TV? <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, have you read any books? You have read books. Hey? I've read like books. Heaps. Yeah. What's your favourite book that has some connection with politics? 
Oh, well, there's a lot of really involved fantasy books okay. that I really like. There's okay. all these like machinations. Not Pull No, no Punches by Judith Collins. <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> Stuart? Uh, the Thick of It. Thick of It as well. Joel? Uh, the American version of The Thick of It, Veep. Oh, nice. Ooh. Yeah, nice. Um, I'm too loud. Is that what you're saying, Tina? Apparently I'm too loud. I've just had a Tina Tiller. Uh, the the uh, the core of the spin-off has been making I'm too loud noises. Um, maybe she just means I'm too interesting. That might be it. Uh, also, Mojo. Charlotte, zero to ten. Four. Is it personal <laughs> or can't Yeah, it's four. personal, personal, yeah, yeah. You said four in a way that was so four. <laughs> Like everything about it was four, <laughs> you know, it was onomatopoeic. Shanti. Seven and a half. Oh. oh. So, so this is personal, mo- is there, do we know what mojo is or it's just whatever we want? Just answer the question, please. Six. Six. Joel? Uh, I'm at a nine today and I've yes. already visited two mojo cafes. Wow. <laughs> that is well That's why. <laughs> and didn't you go and see Andy Foster as well? Yeah, just spent some time with Andy Foster. Uh, If there is not more of a mojo-inducing encounter than hanging out with our man Andy Foster, New Zealand first candidate, how was he? He's uh, he's really chipper, actually. Uh, We caught up at Zealandia, which is uh, his... his, (laughs) It's actually his baby. He was actually really instrumental in setting that up. Um, He, uh, I think he's, uh, I think he's quite excited. I think, I think once he left council, was no longer the mayor. He was probably a bit lost, didn't know what to do with himself. So uh, he's running for New Zealand first. Uh, (laughs) And um, yeah, he genuinely seems really happy about life. Um, fantastic. Uh, okay, let's start by going through the seats with you, Stuart. I'm going to ask each of you, you've all talked about, written about a bunch of seats. Uh, each of you, could you name a seat that is the one that's most exciting you, that's most kind of pushing the mojo levels up when you read about it and think about it and talk about it with your friends, um, and why? Stuart, you go first. Tamaki. Um, because it is a seat that for many years was incredibly boring, incredibly straightforward. feels like for the first time in my memory, it's a race. It's an exciting race, and I don't really know what way it's going to go. Because we've got, what, two candidates on the right? Yeah, so Simon O'Connor from the National Party, who's been in there for 12 years, I think, last time swooped in with a you know 8,000 vote majority during the, the, the Labour red wave of 2020. This time, ACT Party Deputy Leader... Brooke Van Velden, who is campaigning incredibly hard on the street every day mm. to try and unseat Simon O'Connor. And while polling is, you know, quite hard to, you know, there's not there's not much polling out there, but I think there's been a couple that have had them within 2 or 3% of each other within the margin of error, which suggests that... It, have we actually had a published poll or are we just going on whispers and polls? Uh, there has been polling provided to yeah, media yeah, outlets. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, yeah, as I say, yeah. it's hard to know, but, but with a sack of salt. It, it, it makes it exciting. Yeah. And, um, you know, from spending a bit of time on the ground, albeit alongside Brooke, so there's a bias there for the, for the piece I wrote, a lot of people suggesting that they were ready for change, ready for someone who was on the ground and accessible, and they didn't feel that they'd had that over the last few years. Huge, huge majority to turn around. Um, yeah, but yeah, for sure. Be interesting, interesting kind of almost sort of wedge, wedge, wedge uh, encounter on the right between the two versions of the potential National Act coalition. Um, Charlotte, what about you? What's what's the seat that's 
Uh, this is a bit most. personal because mm. it's the seat I'm voting oh, in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Tamaki Makoto. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the um, Maori seat that kind of encompasses the whole of Auckland um, and the kind of the competition or where it's kind of interesting is between Pene Hinare, who currently holds it mm-hmm. for Labour, um, and um, the Māori Party. Um, and that's really interesting because last time there was about four percentage points between Pene Hinare and John Tamahire, who was mm-hmm. running for the Māori Party. Um, and I just think with the last term with Māori Party and and Parliament, it will be really interesting to see kind of if that buzz pays off. Yeah. I mean, they don't have Tamihere, which is something, although, you know, I mean, he's a polarising figure in his own right. The other thing, I think, last time is that Marama Davidson was standing in the seat for the Greens and got 20%. So I imagine Penny Henry will be quietly hoping that that comes to him because you're right, if if the swing across the country moves, it was a real small really small majority there that, mm. that Penny Henry got, like 900 or something. Tiny, yeah. Yeah, Within, yeah. yeah it was hundreds. Um, but, yeah, I think it's also interesting because obviously John Tamahide had that um, kind of, he's well-known in Auckland, yes. but also for, like, not necessarily good reasons, but he still <laughs> did that well. Depends who you ask. Yeah, yeah and yeah. he'd just come out of that uh, interesting mayoral campaign the year before. That's true. Uh, but also being involved with the Waipiora Trust and the, the, the yeah. Trust had done a lot of really good work around COVID vaccination yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that helped help balance it out. Uh, yeah, but yeah. now they've got Takutai Moana Kemp, who's yeah. like really well established out um, in South Auckland and also did lots of great work around COVID mm-hmm. um, as CEO of Manurewa Marae. So, yeah, it's just really interesting. Um, and I, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. Cool. Out of the four. Exciting. Yeah. Love that. Joel, what's um, what's squealing your wheels in Wellington? Well, I am going to talk Wellington, and I think it's the most exciting electorate in the country, and it's <laughs> Wellington Central. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and the reason is, it, you know, we just had a poll out this week, and it showed three candidates all within 5% of each other. Uh, and, you know, there's ways you could see it going any way. But the reason that it's interesting is the green candidate tamitha paul uh she has a really good chance to do effectively what chloe swarbrick managed to do they've actually had very similar political careers uh in the sense that she ran for local government uh in tam's case she won a seat on council and became sort of extraordinarily popular among young people on the left uh, to the point that when Grant Robertson decided he wasn't going to run again in this seat, James Shaw was the sort of incumbent Green candidate and he stood aside for Tam because he th- he thought that she had a better chance of winning this seat for the Greens. Mm. Uh, sort of as, as someone who's never been an MP and is 26 years old. Uh, yeah. Um, so I mean, there's a there's an extraordinary level of excitement on from the green side, but it's also fascinating because I just think the th- all three of the candidates are really high quality and almost speak to the future of their own parties. You know, Tam is like I said, she's this young sort of firebrand activisty type. Uh, Ibrahim Omer from Labour, 
has probably the best story of any politician, any candidate in the country. You know, he was a, a refugee who fled Eritrea as a teenager, worked as a UN translator in Sudan, spent five months in prison there after he was uh, accused of being a spy, uh, ended up in, in New Zealand as a refugee, mm. spent years as working as a cleaner, picking up any jobs he could. He was, he was a cleaner at Victoria University for years until he saved up enough money to attend Victoria University. Uh, and, you know, now he's an MP and he's had, he's had a, you know, a really big impact, particularly after the Moss shootings. He's, he's that one person in the Labour caucus who's, done a, who's you know, incredibly important in mm. connecting with certain migrant communities. Uh, so, I mean, he's, he's interesting in terms of looking at that modern Labour Party. He's sort of genuinely... You know he's an actual working class representative and he speaks to that sort of diversity and, and, and migrant voice. And then even Scott Sheeran on, on national side, he's too far down the list to get in this time probably. Uh, so he would need to win the seat, which I don't really expect him to do so, but he's an incredibly impressive candidate. Well, he's coming Just second in that poll though, isn't he? He's coming, isn't he? So he's a shot. He is a shot. He's a shot if, if there's a really narrow split on the left. Uh, so, and it is possible and, you know, nationals polled into, into the mid to high thirties before. Yeah. Uh, so the math, the maths is possible and yeah, he's got this incredible CV. He's worked around the world in really high powered legal UN jobs. He was the vice chair of the United Nations legal committee when he was 28 years old. <laughs> so you, you see that, you know, if he, if he finds his way into parliament, he's, he's a future minister and a future national government almost certainly. Do you think, I mean, you and I went together, Joel, to the Aro Valley debate, which is always fun, which is always popular. Is there a buzz around the seat beyond that? Are you feeling around town? I think there is a buzz. I mean, you, you named that debate, but there have been so many debates. There's a debate almost every night. Like A lot of seats have a lot of debates, yeah. but Wellington's such a political town and there's so many political organisations here who all want to put on a debate that like these candidates are seeing each other and going butting heads against each other constantly. Uh, you know, there's the same sort of fatigue that you have everywhere else, but almost uh, it, it also helps that there hasn't been an interesting race in Wellington Central since 1996, arguably. Yeah, uh, that was so, a good one. You know, <laughs> it was a great one. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully somebody's filming this one. You never know. You never know what could happen. You're quite right, though. The interesting thing about that seat, apart from anything else, is that over the last three elections, every one of the parties has, in some election in the party vote, uh, topped 30. percent So it shows you how close it is, and it could come down to, you know, in terms of the electorate seat, whether or not if 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 uh, um, if the Labour and Green candidates, Ibrahimia and Tamathapal, are close, then that could work for Scott Sheeran, right? Whereas if one bolts away, I mean, has there been any talk of the poll was too close, I suppose, for anyone on the left to say, no, no, we need to rally behind one candidate? Oh, I mean, Labour's already trying that line. Sure. From what from what I'm hearing, you know, on the door knocking, they're they're already pushing that line that that, that people have to get behind Ibrahim because uh, it risks a vote split. Uh, Scott Sheeran's also helped by the fact that there's no no, no act candidate here this mm, year, mm. Uh, so he'll he'll kind of secure that entire right wing vote. Um, but I've also looked at the analysis of that poll, and you know, we know electorate polls. There, you know, all polls are a sort of a snapshot of moment in time, which are, which are not perfectly exact, but you can gain something from. Electorate polls are fuzzier than normal. Uh, 
but I mean, there has been some analysis of that poll, which maybe is favourable to the Green Party. Uh, that poll had Tam on 26%. The Greens got 30% of the party vote last time, and the party, the, their party vote overall is stronger than it was last yeah. time. So it, it's it's a little hard to predict they'll underperform in Wellington Central. Uh, well, I guess the other thing they're that. the other thing they're arguing is that because Tamitha Paul is not on the green list, that it's 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 electricity to nothing, right? So they can they can make that case. Well, that's true for all of them, right? Tr- that's no, true no, for yeah, all three yeah, of them. Yeah. None of them are gonna none of them are gonna be on the list. Probably Ibrahim is, has been a list MP so far, but good chance mm. he doesn't make it back. Uh, yeah, and Tam is not on the list, um, although she'll continue to be a council representative. And, and you've seen that line argued a little bit as well. You know, they say, Tam will still be representing you, whereas if you don't vote for Ibrahim, mm. you know, he, he, he won't be representing you at all. So you know, there's, I suspect that's going to ramp up a bit more. We saw that ramp up at the end of uh, the campaign in Auckland Central uh, between Helen White and Chloe Swarbrick arguing about mm. the vote splitting. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I would expect to see more of that, uh, particularly Shanti, you've been in the South Island for the spin-off. Um, what, I think, Canterbury mostly? What's yeah. what's exciting to you in Christchurch, Canterbury? Well, I've, the mention of the Wellington Central is quite a good parallel for the island seat where Raf Manji is really, really hoping to take it for um, top the polling does not look that great for him at the moment um but yeah he when i interviewed him um in christchurch a few weeks ago he sort of said oh you know he's really been talking to people across the political spectrum including god of sharma as it turns out um and he talked to david seymour and david seymour apparently told him that you know top and act were top is in the same position that act was sort of six years ago and i said yes but act had someone giving it an electorate seat deal and you don't he was like yeah but our polling is better but um really very optimistic very energetic man um, can, can, can you just can, can, can you just go back to Gaurav Sharma what was he what was the conversation oh, with Gaurav just, Sharma that, it was about being independent just, about being an MP okay. you get more attention when you're an MP which is what top really wants so right. um yeah at the moment in ILM the current sitting MP is Sarah Pallet um from the Labour Party mm-hmm. um she's now at a number 51 on the list so she's not going to get in unless she gets the electorate and the same goes for (laughs) Hamish Campbell for the um, National Party who's at 63 on the list so again we'll need to win the electorate Mm. to win so they're all just very very dead set on this and um, I think Raf Manji is sort of saying well it's much better to have a party leader as the representative for your electorate you get a lot more done but um, then the other two are sort of making the argument that it's much better to have backbenchers who will actually do more for the electorate um, and be more focused on that rather than the overall national profile so there's kind of quite a lot of different when you look at the demographics of that area that's the part of Christchurch um, sort of between the university and the airport um, for anyone who knows um, that area um, and yeah lots of lots of mix lots of social housing heaps and heaps of students and research so all of those candidates are really saying oh you know we need the university um, lots of different ways for each of those parties to talk about why it should be their seat um, and of course until um, Sarah Pallet won in 2020 it was Jerry Brownlee's seat for more than two decades a safe, so safe national seat very for a safe long time. national yeah. seat yeah and Jerry Brownlee was you know um, cabinet minister, very well known, very high profile in Christchurch, especially after the earthquakes, and got knocked out amazingly. I mean, I remember the moment on election night when it was like, "Holy shit, Jerry Brownlee's going to lose his seat in 2020," and that was the, you know, that was the full extent of the red wave lapping up against the bits that you didn't think it was going to going to reach, right? Um, yeah. And so I guess the. Did the did the polling remind me? There was a I think there was a Curia poll for Taxpayers Union. Did that did that put the national candidate top? 
Yeah, by quite a big margin. So he had something like 32%. Yeah. Um, and then Sarah and Raf were both around 15, 16. Very, very close. Um, but heaps and heaps of undecided voters in that electorate. Mm. I did a whole lot of vox pops on the street and basically could not find one single person who would tell me that they knew who they were going to vote for. Is that right? Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, half of them didn't even know sort of what issues they cared about. So I was like, oh, you know, I think you said they didn't there. even know there was an election. Did they know there was an election? Most of them were, mm. they were like, there's posters for, especially for top, because they're putting so much of their resources into that electorate, posters for Raf Manji everywhere. Right. Um, and it's his special, his like teal card kind of um, yeah. program. He's really pushing that, wanting, especially around the universities, wanting all the young people to see it. So, um, yeah, lots of the gold card. It's like a gold card, but it's for young people, um, which doesn't go very much into the details of that policy. But, yeah, he's really trying to push that. Interesting. And they're now, uh, Raph and Sarah, both with differing degrees of vociferousness, trying to encourage supporters of the other to come over to their camp, yeah? Yeah, exactly. They're sort of... Um, Raph told me that Sarah didn't have a chance and that everyone should vote for him. And Sarah told me that Raph didn't have a chance everyone should vote for her. So very, very right. explicit That's about clear. Their, um, to, their goals there. It's good to have it clear around there. I think, that, I think it's also the seat, um, which is where the Avon River begins in Christchurch. Is that right? So Avon River passes through it, which yeah. is only interesting because I think Avon means river, which means that it's <laughs> the River River. Oh, the River River. I don't yeah. know if that's come up as an issue in the um, campaign. No yet, one but, mentioned. You know, no one mentioned that to me. But I think yeah, that is yeah, the boundary of the electorate. Goes um, against Christchurch Central. Charlotte, you wrote a beautiful profile of Debbie Ngadiwa Packer for the spin-off, um, and travelled down to Patia and mm-hmm. the parts in Taranaki. Um, that seat is pretty interesting. Did you see the poll? The poll that came came out last night. I did. I did. I have the numbers written down because oh. I don't. I can't remember the numbers. I know you're not expecting to remember. Tell us about. Tell us about that seat. That's a Maori seat. Formerly Adrian Rudafi's seat. Currently yeah. Adrian mm. Rudafi's seat. Yeah. He's the speaker. He's going to the list. Yes. Which means. So there are like four really interesting people in the mix mm-hmm. there. So you've got um, Debbie Ngariwa Packer, Soroya Peke Mason, Harete Hipango. And then there is another candidate, I can't remember their name, but it's like a vision. <laughs> He's the young candidate, really is it, interesting. Is it a man who pops up from behind a fence from okay. time to time? Yeah, okay. Okay. yeah. He's he's doing them all. <laughs> candidate all around the country. Um, yeah, so Harete Hipango is running for the National Party and, I mean, it's. I think she's acknowledged that it's really unlikely that she'll win, but she's one of two mm. National Party which um, is amazing. Candidates, yeah, yeah, running in the Māori seats. And she's been quite vocal around uh, getting national to run people in mm-hmm. the seats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Soroya Peke Mason is running uh, for Labour. And I think that her cousin is Adrian Rudafia. So she's sort of like hooked into that. Uh-huh. And that's very helpful. Yeah. Um, and then Debbie Ngariwapaka, the leader, co-leader of the Te Pāti Māori, um, yeah, and so her, Debbie and Soroya are the front runners in that, and it looks to be a really, really close race. Mm. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. 
Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. One of the other fascinating things about it is that Tariana Turia backed Harete Pango from the National Party, who's former MP for Whanganui, and she's in the poll numbers that you're about to tell us. You know, that, that, that those could be, depending on how things fall, the kind of votes that could come away. And I, we had Debbie Ngaru Packer on, on, on this podcast earlier, and she said, she said that, yeah, it's true that Tariana said some things about Harete, but she also said, but also the sister's been helping me pass flies around. So it looks like, you know, it's, it's the nature. Of course, Tariana Turia is enormous mana in the area and in the seat and as the founder of the Māori Party. Is that, is that, a, is that, is it, I wonder whether it's almost, if Tariana decided to back, decided to back Debbie Ngaru Packer, whether that would be, make the difference? Is that the sense you get? Does she have that kind of? Maybe, okay. but yeah. it's just, it's, she sort of, I think she's from that kind of past era of Te Pāti Māori mm. or the Māori Party. And so I don't know whether uh, that kind of would push people in a certain way these days. I don't know. I think she's still got, you know, all of that mana and she's done such incredible things. But, yeah, I do wonder whether she is of the old She's also Harete's cousin, I think. So, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that the, probably plays. Tell a, us a, how a, the poll numbers look. Okay, so Soroya's on. So that's the Labour candidate. She's on thirty-four mm. percent. Debbie Ngarua Packer from Te Pāti Māori is on twenty-nine, and then Harete um, from National is on twelve percent. But then there's sixteen percent undecided. So there's just. Five percent between the two front runners and sixteen percent mm. undecided. So, and yeah. it bears repeating. We talked about this earlier with Annabelle that polling the Māori electorates is hell of a hard, hell of a hard. This is a Curia poll, mm. so it's a reputable polling agency, but it's hell of a hard, and 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 all of the all of the the different kind of demographic balancing that has to be done across such a massive strip of country is is tricky. So it's close is what we know, right? Very close. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be an exciting one. Um Stuart, you've been you've been travelling around Auckland quite a bit, looking at seats. Auckland Central, we had a debate in here earlier, so let's yeah. let's leave Auckland Central yep. for the time Monga being. Monga Kirke, perhaps. Did you go to a debate among a Kirke debate the other night? Yeah, sort of meet the candidates okay. slash debate event. You, you in left LSE. a message in our Slack saying that there were only two people in the audience at one point. Did that improve? Uh, yeah, that was my error. I had actually... So the Facebook event said it started at 7, so I was there at 6.58. Right. So it was me and one other person. And then I was um, politely told there was going to be an Allersley Residents Association um, annual general meeting that I had to sit through for the next oh half an hour God. before the debate started. But I was welcome to stay. I could apply. Did you not? Did you? I hope you uh, stayed. I stayed. Yeah, I did. Of course I did. I sat there. <laughs> I, put, I put my name in the drawer for a $50 words. Danny Doolin's voucher. 2,000 words. Oh. <laughs> And there was a raffle to win a fridge, and then I had to sit through and be told about the state of the books and um, for, yeah. the, for the Ellerslie. Well, come on, people want to know <laughs> how are, are the books? Okay? They're doing well. They're doing well. They said after it's been a tough time with COVID, they've had to. This is this is a two-year AGM. They had to make up for lost ground because of COVID, but they're 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 happy. They're happy with the state of the books. Brand new football uh, oh, venue. Oh. You know, it's 
great time interesting in Ellerslie so then eventually this is your home turf isn't it yeah it is so you did actually you went you know that was sort of of some interest to you yeah I would have yeah because at first I thought will it be a bit bad if the journal turns up and wins the Danny Doolan's voucher but then I I believe a sitting act MP won it so I think it's fine right (laughs) Simon Court just turned up so wow I believe he won it is that allowed uh, is that a scandal? No, I decided that they're probably. I mean, I'm dropping it now. This is an exclusive. Okay. If, um, but uh, yes, it's him or someone associated with him. Has he read a book? Has Did like, you find out? Uh, he's read a book. Look, I, I I would like to say he probably has read books, and he probably does have probably does have high levels of mojo. That's my take. Um, and who's in, who's in, who's in the Mungakeke running? Who's going to? Who, yeah, so who, the, it? it's a sort of two-horse race between uh, sitting MP and Minister Priyanka Radhakrishnan yep. and uh, National List candidate Greg Fleming. There were also Green and ACT candidates there, but they made it very clear from the outset they were just there to campaign for the party vote. So mm-hmm. you know, there's no chance there. But um, you know, Mungakeke is a sort of traditionally or maybe not traditionally but for a while there was a pretty safe blue seat and obviously it flipped red as a lot of seats did but um you know it wouldn't be surprising if it went back and greg fleming is a pretty um you know a pretty fierce candidate uh on the campaign trail but obviously comes with a little bit of baggage that may or may not you know influence voters at all in terms of his you know historic comments that he made Sort of, sort of, sort of Christian conservative comments. Yeah, about homosexual law reform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that seat, I mean, that he's favourite, right? Because I'm just yeah. looking it up. There was a, the, the majority was 635. Yeah. In 2020, uh, with um, Denise Lee then the candidate for national. So Greg Fleming yeah. is probably going to be an MP if the yeah, if and the he's pretty far down the list. Shifts. So it's sort of that that's his one bit. And and I, you know I haven't done extensive you know on the ground chats, but but living in the electorate and talking to a lot of people, there seems to be this um con- this idea which does happen when the sitting can sitting MP is also a, a minister. They become busy. They don't get to spend too much time in the electorate. So there's a bit of of a perception that Priyanka hasn't been as active in the community as some people would have liked, and Greg, as with a lot of national candidates, this electorate are spending a lot of time on the ground, mm. dragging Luxon around jewellers and, you know, supermarkets and stuff to try and get a bit of airtime. So, yeah, he's the, he's the favourite, and, um, you know, he, he's got he's to win it to get into Parliament. One, at, at the, also at that candidate's event, a sort of fringe candidate for Rock the Vote NZ turned up unannounced, and... Um, you know, stood up during the Q and A and made quite a quite a bold claim, which is that Priyanka's already going to get on off the list. So why don't you vote for me instead? And then everyone started to laugh, and he sat down, and that was all we heard mm. from him. So mm. quite a quite a peaceful protest. Um, what about Northcote? Have you have you looked much at Northcote? Because Annabelle, Annabelle Lee, Lee Mather was talking this morning about it, and it's reached the point in the day now whether I can't remember it was on the podcast or before the podcast, but she said that. I mean, Ch- Ch- Shannon Halbert is the MP there with a majority of two and a half thousand over Danby Dwight, and so you would expect Danby Dwight to win, but she said sh- that there had been some murmurings that actually it might be close. What's your perception of that seat? That's two quite interesting young Māori men, youngish. Yeah. They're, they've both got Ish. quite fancy CVs from, I don't know what, fancy Ivy League university yeah. stuff. What's your what's your read on Northcote? Um, I, I I think Bidoua's got the you know is the front runner, um, but I think there's a possibility it could be close as well. I guess what makes it interesting for me is seeing Shannon Halbert's been dragged into quite a few sort of mini 
many scandals recently in terms of advertisements in the electorate. Oh, yeah, and putting stuff up on his Facebook page, which and, is not true. you know, getting it ends up meaning that the Prime Minister or Labour leader, as he is at the moment, spends quite a lot of time during press conferences where he's meant to be talking about policies, ending up mm. talking about his own candidates. And that's happened a couple of times for Shannon Halbert. Uh, whereas Dan Bedouard has been out on the campaign a lot. I mean, so has Shannon Halbert, to be fair. But he, he's sort of... There seems to be a bit of momentum, is my observation, from having just been to a couple of events where Chris Luxon's been wandering around in the area. He was at that... That was where they launched the sort of get the country back on track tour or whatever it was called. That was in, in oh, Birkenhead. Bowling club. Yeah, great, great day it was. And so, yeah, I, I think I think it could be closer than than it, than people may suspect, but it feels like there's there's it feels like it could be a, a change. Joel, what about Rongatai? The Julianne Genta is standing for the Greens and the Greens have been arguing that it's in play too. This is of course was Paul Eagle's seat, and Paul Eagle ran for the mayoralty, and that did not work out for him at all. And then he is standing down from Parliament, and he's going to be the CEO of Chatham Islands, another area of interest for you, Shanti, the yeah, Chatham Islands. Yep. And he's going to love it, and they're going to love him. Is he? Is that I feel right? convinced well, of this, yeah. It's like a match made in heaven. Yeah. yeah. Um, very personable fellow, Paul Eagle. Did not campaign well for the Wellington mayoralty. Uh, what's my question for you, Joel? My question is, is, do you, do you, is your sense that Rongatai is in play? My sense is that Rongatai is in less play than Wellington Central is. I see it being possible in if there is a significant green wave. Mm. Uh, you know, if if, Welling, if if Wellington Central is taken, there'll be a certain. I think there's a certain carryover that there are seats that have a lot of spillover. Uh, a lot of people sort of, you know, they're very, they're right next to each other. People come and go. People have connections to both of them. I think Labour has a much stronger chance of holding Rongatai. Uh, Fleur Fitzsimmons is the candidate there. She's campaigning really well. She's uh, really, basically really respected on the ground. She was arguably the most like high profile and most competent councillor uh, on Wellington City Council. Mm. Uh, and so she has that sort of uh, connection to community aspect like Julianne Genta has a really high profile but she hasn't been a local representative before uh so I think when it sort of comes to those uh you know that that, that ground game stuff that you need I like I I think Fleur stands a stronger chance but I think I think if Julianne does take it it's due to a wider sort of uh national trend that sort of that sort of carries her on a wave what about up the road a bit Hut South, that's an interesting, that's, that's been a tense one for a long time. You know, it's Mallard's old seat. Uh, currently, Ginny Anderson, who's been handed a bunch of portfolios late in, the, late in the term, is defending it against Chris Bishop, who is a, a quite prominent and garrulous national MP. Among other things, he's the chair of the campaign and a champion debater, not to be forgotten. He's got to be the favourite to win that, just in terms of the way the swing's likely to work. To work. I think you're right. Like, I mean, I think last time in 2020, uh, you know, Bishop outperformed. I mean, it's it's this is really significant how how much he outperformed his own party vote. He got 41.6% of the electorate vote hmm. when National got 22% of the party vote. 
Right. Like that's a that's a huge overperformance, and Jenny Anderson underperformed Labor by about five percent. I think in that one term, uh, you know, since she's held the seat, you know, Jenny has developed a good reputation. She's well respected on the ground. She's had these high profile portfolios, uh, but Chris Bishop is kind of that like. He's such a electorate guy, and he's such a hut south guy. And uh, you know, people people always say here, you know, he does the classic show up to the opening of an envelope. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I think he 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 will. I think he has everything. Everything's there for him to take the seat back. Um, finally, I was uh, I was actually at both of their campaign parties last election, hmm. uh, and. <laughs> um, Jenny Anderson didn't believe that she had won it at first. Like she had to like the the final count from the ballot box had come in, and her staffers were telling her she'd won it. And there were a couple of media there. We were trying to get responses from her, and she w- kind of wouldn't give response because she almost didn't quite believe it yet, and didn't mm. didn't want to accidentally jump it. And then Chris Bishop was just like the most despondent you've ever seen him. Like he he, I think he really thought he was, uh, you know, going to win that seat, and then. Obviously, every national party event around the country was not a fun affair last time because they underperformed so much. But the, you tell there was there was so much hope in that room that he would just cling on, uh, and he and he fell just short. Uh, Did he? So not I, that I, just short. Jenny Anderson won by three thousand seven hundred votes in the end. That's a big majority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she won by a significant majority. I guess. I guess I'm. Th- I'm thinking. It probably, um, probably yeah. picked up on specials too. But then, but then Bishop but, uh, Bishop beat Anderson in 2017 by 1,500. So it's could. It looks like it could be turning into a bit of a bellwether seat for 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 the the mood of the country. You know, there's a lot of hut south that is reasonably middle New Zealand type stock. I imagine. I think. I think you're right about that. It's a good. It's a good bellwether, and it's. It's kind of probably quite a good reflective reflection of that sort of median voter because it's like it's suburban, it's like near the city, but it's out of the city. It's not sort of in the it's house prices are getting more expensive, but it, it, you can still sort of buy around there. It kind of sits on that. It kind of represents that urban, rural sort of middle. Mm. Uh, so I, I think it's a, it is a really good one to watch to get the sense of sort of the nation's mood. Charlotte. What can you tell me about Hauraki Waikato? Um, well, this is also personal. Because oh. if my mum hadn't have moved to Auckland, urban drift, I would have been voting yeah. in this seat. So yeah. also of interest to me. Um, so that's the kind of electorate that neighbours Tamaki Makoto. So mm. it's down through the Waikato um, and then up through the Coromandel as well. Mm. Um, and you've got Nanaya Mahuta for Labour, who currently holds the seat against Tana Rafati um, from Te Pāti Māori. Um, and it's it's interesting. I don't think it's... I don't see Tana Rafati necessarily winning. She might. Um, but Nanaya has held that seat for, like, since the seat first existed, right, right. Um, which was before Hannah was even born. She, uh, Hannah's 20 years old. Um, Nanaya's been doing this since the 1990s. Yeah. Um, she's from, like, 
the family. Her dad's Rob Mahuta. She's her cousin is um, King Ituhetia, the Māori king, um, and she's you know she's been like a stable figure um, in that seat for decades. So. Um, I guess I think it's interesting because it will be interesting to see how well Hannah does. Mm. Um, there's, I don't know, I kind of get a sense that for those um, Te Pāti Māori candidates, um, it will be kind of, I think there'll be a whole lot of momentum both coming from the fact that there's this sort of narrative of trouble brewing in the Māori caucus and Labour mm. Um and, you know, people leaving and kind of maybe a feeling that or a question mark around how much they can actually get done when you're kind of sitting under the Labour um, brand. Um, but then on the other side, I think that the rhetoric from the right block for Māori is probably kind of, I don't know, it's, it maybe is a bit worrying and so that kind of just might build a bit of excitement about voting for something new, really. And yeah. Nanaya is not on the list, right? Like she no. did not do on the list, which is interesting. Yeah. Whereas whereas, whereas Hannah Rafati Mopi Clark is on fourth spot yes. on Te Pāti Māori, yeah. which, you know, the way they've been polling for the last year or so, she's in. Yeah. Which is amazing. She'll be the youngest, years old. youngest MP in, like, century? Well, for, well, right if I recall correctly, right. he said, opening Long up time. the article on his phone, um, she'd be the youngest MP in the New Zealand Parliament since 1853 when James Frederick Stuart Wortley... <laughs> <laughs> Wortley? Stuart, James Frederick Stuart Wortley, oh. a colonist who spent just a few years in New Zealand, was elected at the age of 20 years and seven months. Wow. The other thing about him, I, I'm not, not, not 100% sure on this, but I was doing some reading around it, I think he was illegally elected because you had to be 21 years old to vote and to stand at that point. But he obviously, you know, forged his birth certificate or whatever you do when you're kicking around in 1853 and got himself elected to Parliament. Oh. Cheeky bugger. And then he fucked off back to Britain quite shortly afterwards. <laughs> so did he actually get to... When did they find out that he wasn't... No, I don't know if they did find oh, out. Oh, right. I don't know if they did find out. Um, <clears throat> this was an extensive bit of about 20 minutes research a couple of months ago. What's happened to the Wortley family these yeah. days? Is there, is there, there's oh, no Wortleys running? Lots of, there were lots of... There, I, think his, I think his dad was a Tory MP, and I think there's quite a... Quite in, in the UK, so I think there's quite a, quite a few Wortleys still kicking around. Wow. Probably, probably several hundred of them in the House of Lords these days. It's actually <laughs> bulging at the seams. Can't move for the Wortleys. Full of mojo, Wortleys. Lots of mojo. <laughs> Lots of yeah. Shanti, uh, back to the South Island. You're you're going to you're going to Dunedin soon, aren't you? Yeah, so, so tomorrow you can, morning. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to go and see if you can find Michael Woodhouse. Is he? Yeah, is he out there campaigning? Mm. Allegedly, um, yeah. he's going to be appearing at a um, debate. Um, I'm going to go to oh, the yeah. Otago University debating okay. um, debate with the local MPs. So it'll be it'll be I'll spot him okay. there if nowhere else. Okay, that'll be fun. Um, I mean, it does. It is Dunedin. Dunedin doesn't have really a lot of kind of swing seats at the moment, really, in it. No. I mean, so, someone pointed out, maybe it was Michael Woodhouse, <laughs> that it is, if uh, because he's not not returning after being frustrated, getting the pip, whatever you like, about his list placing, uh, it means that there won't, I don't know that there will be a national MP in Dunedin, you know, and I think there's a, you know, that's one of the advantages of the MMP system, is that you can have list MPs representing parts of the country that where they're, generally have a bunch of seats in one direction. But let me ask you, uh, if we just travel north up the island a bit, about Rangitata. Yes. That's an interesting seat. 
Yes, it is. Um, currently held by Labour's Joe Luxton, um, who's became a minister in May. Um, and yeah, that's from Ashburton to Timaru. So quite a, um, oh, from Vakaya to, to Timaru. So yeah. really huge section of country. Um, you know, the frequent refrain of people saying, oh, we haven't seen her much in this electorate in this area. Um, there's a bit of, um, you hear that, I think you hear that a lot. It's also a massive area. Um, and yeah, sort of lots, lots to, um, I'm not sure how, much that is always like the fairest thing to say, but right. there is a bit of frustration there. And um, there was sort of quite interesting talking to both her and um, James Meager, who is standing for National, mm. um, about the emissions trading scheme and um, yeah, the farmers' big farming area, big agricultural kind of hub, and um, lots of both of them were like, yeah, we really back our farmers. We're the best farmers in the world, um, as you might expect. But um, yeah, the kind of what kind of, how do you support farmers? And um, climate change is a really big deal in that area. It's quite vulnerable to transport mm -hmm. things. There's these huge rivers going down, so snowmelt can impact um, how big the rivers are. And then there's been Ashburton floods in, I think, 2021, which covered huge amounts of, took out lots of bridges, covered farms with silt. So it's quite a lot of kind of climate anxiety, but it doesn't seem like it's really what the electorate is interested in, even though both of those, both the National and Labour candidate were really happy to talk about why their version of climate change response was going to be the best. It's interesting as well because it is, the majority there for Joe Luxton is 4,400, looking at my spreadsheet here, and that sort of seems like the kind of number where probably, you know, depending on where the swing sits across the country, and it's similar in Nelson actually as well. I don't, I don't know how much you've been looking at Nelson, Chanty. I know you've done some research there before, but Rachel Boyack there yeah. is probably also in that position where I've heard some people say they think she'll hold on to it, that she's got to, but but equally, it's not a sure thing, right? With the no, totally there. not. And um, yeah, Joe Luxton definitely seems to have a bit of, um, like her ministerial responsibilities seem to be taking up quite a lot of um, space for her. Um, yeah, I think there was a yeah, interesting to kind of see that small majority. Apparently, um, the national candidate told me that it has the biggest number of national members of any electorate in the country. Oh, so yeah, huge right. amounts of volunteers that are out there yeah. driving up and down the roads, yeah, yeah. knocking on doors, observing the potholes. Um, mm. I'm sure you can imagine the, the <laughs> scenes. <laughs> no pothole uninvestigated. Hey, Joel. Joel, come in Wellington come in Wellington Bureau. Hello, Joel. Toby. Um, <clears throat> have you uh, been looking through this Ipsos Issues Monitor? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I know you're going to have a look at it. The Ipsos Issues Monitor came out this morning, which is this sort of uh, three times a year study of the issues that uh, uh, New Zealand voters consider the most important to them. Um, have you looked at that today? Yes, I have. What's the story? What's the story? Oh, I mean, the big story that sort of stands out is the the issues at the top of the list haven't changed a lot from the last couple of ones you know we're still seeing inflation crime uh, inflation by far first crime second housing but what really did what the really significant thing that changed is on the the question where they asked which political party do you consider most capable of managing yeah. each issue it's blue 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 mm, mm. like labor you know Labor, you know, normally doesn't take, you know, for example, the economy, the crime ones, but they, you know, in June they had healthcare and they had education. They don't have those anymore. They don't have public transport. You would transport. expect those to be red. You would expect those on the board to light up red. Yeah, they're their home turf, right? When you when when they've lost those, it's 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 not looking good. And there was another uh, figure in there too. 
that they look at the government's performance. They, they ask people to rate the government's performance. And this poll's only been going since 2018. Um, it's really interesting, sort of different lens on things. But I think it was the lowest yet for the government's performance rating, which is, again, going to make uh, sobering reading uh, for the Labour Party. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I, I find this poll really interesting. It's kind of the only poll that does... Uh, you know, approval ratings of, of government, um, this particular question, you know, we're so used to asking which party will you vote for, but this is just really, are you happy with the government or not? Mm. Uh, you know, we saw big spikes after March 15, uh, after the first lockdown, and it's just been this downward trend since. And it looked for a while like Chris Hipkins had sort of stemmed the bleeding. Right. Uh, but no, it's 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 fallen off a cliff again. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's got to be tough reading for Labour. Joel, thank you for that. Are you writing about that? Could people read about that on thespinoff.co.nz? They can read about it on thespinoff.co.nz right now. Exciting. Uh, other things you can read on thespinoff.co.nz by Stuart and Shanti and Charlotte, who will be doing really tremendous writing, uh, feature writing, seat uh, summaries. Uh, the four people in here have just been having blinders of electri uh, elections, so get onto the website and read their work. Thanks, you guys, so much for coming in and, and talking about seats. Next hour on the Megapod, we are going to talk to Brooke Van Velden from the Act Party. Stuart mentioned her before. She's running in Tamaki against Simon O'Connor. And we're also going to talk to Ben Mackay, the, um, the swashbuckling Australian journalist in the press gallery. We'll be back soon on Spinoff, Gone by Lunchtime, Election 2023, Megapod. Thanks for listening. There's plenty more where this came from on your Gone By Lunchtime feed. Thanks to Jane, Te here, and Samuel and the rest of the team at the spin-off for making the Megapod happen. Kia ora e te iwi. Te Butler here, podcast manager at the spin-off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.